Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, Acts chapter number 26 is where we are today and uh, continuing in our series. We've seen a lot take place here in the book of Acts, with, uh, especially in our, uh, our final portion of the book of Acts that we've just entitled Unstoppable Gospel. And we've seen especially in the life of the Apostle Paul as he's just continually moved forward with the gospel, uh, things come up against him. Things, uh, I mean, he was left for dead in one scenario. I mean, it just, a lot, of ta- a lot of things take place there in the life of Paul as he just goes forward with the gospel. And yet we're going to see that the gospel, really the theme of the whole book of Acts, uh, culminates at the end when we see the, the power of the gospel infiltrate the very center of the Roman Empire at the time when it gets all the way to Rome. And we've been tracking how that takes place. Of course, uh, it it starts to really form uh, last week when we saw that uh, Paul appealed to go to Caesar. And so now it's a done deal. He's got to make his way to Rome. uh, And we're going to continue really what Festus does in a in reaction or response to the fact that Paul appeals to Caesar. But I've loved, as we've looked at Paul's journey, uh, really just some of the parallels. A few weeks back, we talked about the fact that Luke, it seems, uh, kind of draws the parallel of Paul's final uh, journey to Jerusalem and what takes place, and even Jesus's final journey. Uh, journey down to Jerusalem as there's a very similar parallel in a lot of ways I mean uh, of course both letters were written to Theophilus so volume one the gospel of Luke and volume two uh, the book of Acts he really outlines in Luke that Jesus at one point set his face toward Jerusalem and it was his final journey to get into Jerusalem and we saw in the book of Acts that Paul too at one point said I've got to go to Jerusalem and it would be his last journey to Jerusalem. Uh, Disciples went with Jesus into Jerusalem, his final journey, and we saw disciples come with, uh, with Paul into Jerusalem. Jesus was opposed by hostile Jews on his way to Jerusalem, and especially in Jerusalem, we see the same thing take place in the Apostle Paul's life. Both of them made predictions about when they got to Jerusalem, that they would face suffering. Uh, In fact, even more interesting, Jesus made three predictions that that would take place, and Luke records three predictions in the life of Paul as well before he gets to Jerusalem. But both were determined to go to Jerusalem. Nothing was going to deter them from the fact that they knew God's will for them was to continue on and to endure the suffering there in Jerusalem. It tells us that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, and Paul, uh, even though he was warned multiple times, hey, you're going to get hurt Uh, He said, hey, I'm willing to die if need be at Jerusalem. He wasn't deterred either. Both were willing and ready to die even in Jerusalem. Both of them were unjustly arrested and imprisoned under false pretenses. Both were misrepresented by false witnesses who were recruited or hired to uh, give false testimony and lie about them. Both were struck in the face and were victims of secret Jewish plots. Both had mobs crying out for their death both had five different trials uh before of course jesus was before caiaphas and annas and Pilate, then herod antipas and then back to Pilate. and we're still tracking some of the trials or the the court trials that paul has gone through he's already been before the sanhedrin and 
before Felix, and uh, we've seen him before Festus, and now he's kind of before Agrippa uh, in uh, somewhat, not an official trial, uh, but he's, he's before Agrippa in this. Both were even uh, declared innocent. They were declared not guilty in some of the trials that they had. And all along the way, in his journey, Paul's journey, which is much like our Savior's journey, uh, that last journey to Jerusalem, we see Paul consistently just sharing the message of Jesus all along the way. And today, as we, he comes into contact with King Agrippa, we see there is no difference. Paul takes the time to anyone he comes into contact with, and especially in this scenario, just share uh, Jesus Christ with these people. And so we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 26, and I'm going to read just the first three verses And then we'll cover the rest of the chapter as we continue on this morning. But the Bible says this, Acts 26 and verse 1. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews." especially because I know thee to be uh, expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. He's like, it's going to take some time. Listen, all right, to what I'm about to say. And we're going to track this morning through the chapter what Paul says to Agrippa. Before we do that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes just one more time before we dive into the message and just ask the Lord to speak to us, maybe something very quickly in our own hearts. Lord, speak to me and whatever you speak to me about this morning, would you give me the grace and strength I need to respond to you in that way? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your love for us and for your word. Lord, now as we dive into it, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, in a corporate way, but Lord, also in an individual way. Lord, your, your word is alive. It is an active book, and we know that you want to pierce down even to the dividing of our heart and our spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do just that today. Lord, that you would speak to us uh, individually. And Lord, as I just said, Lord, would you, pr- would you give us the grace and strength we need to respond to you uh, in whatever way that you speak to us about this morning. We pray that you'd be honored and glorified with all that is said. Lord, I pray that you would just speak right through me this morning, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. What would it, uh, what would it look like? Imagine this in your mind. What would it look like if two of the worst people on earth, two of the worst people in history, or two of the worst people that you could think of now on earth, if they sat down to have a conversation? <laughs> uh, it be an interesting conversation, uh, but, but think about it this way, that one of them, I mean, think, of, think about literally the worst person you can think of, a homicidal, a genocidal type person uh, that uh, on, on e- maybe even both sides, adulterous, however you want to think of, think of that, but think about the fact that one of them, okay, just in, a, in some, uh, in, in our imagination for a second, just to kind of build up what we're going to see in the chapter today, think about it this way. Think about one of them, though, at some point after doing all of those heinous acts, coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. What would that conversation look like? What would it look like to see someone who came from such an evil background, uh, what would they say 
in that conversation with someone that probably had just as much, if not maybe in some cases worse, background? What would they say if they had repented of all their wrongdoing and come to know Jesus? How would that conversation go? Well, in our passage today, that's kind of what we see take place. Uh, we, we know Paul, okay, Paul, before he knew Jesus, prior to knowing Jesus, he was a homicidal zealot. I mean, he, he went out completely ready to lock up, uh, torture, and even murder anyone who said that they were a follower of the man named Jesus of Nazareth. He was so uh, maniacal in a way that he was, uh, Luke describes it, that he was breathing out threatenings. The imagery there is that like a dragon breathing out fire. That, uh, that's how uh, maniacal even Paul was in the way that he did it. He was, he was raving against the, the all followers of Jesus. And even worse, he was doing all of it in the name of God. He thought that he was doing God a service by going up against every single one of those Christians. And then we have Paul, or I mean Agrippa. So we have Paul, and then we have King Agrippa II. Last week we went a little bit over uh, who King Agrippa II was. Uh, he comes from a long line of people who are just bad dudes. <laughs> All right? We've gone over it, the fact that Herod the Great, his grandfather... Uh, just what, with no regard for life whatsoever, killed all of the babies when he found out that uh, there was someone named King of the Jews who was born. And uh, he saw that as a threat and had all of the babies that were under uh, two years old be killed with, with no regard for their life whatsoever because he uh, felt threatened by it. And then his, uh, his brother, Agrippa II's uncle, uh, who was Herod Antipas, he came in and uh, he, he was... Uh, married to uh, a, a, a woman that uh, eventually, okay, eventually uh, ended, up, ended up having her daughter, so his stepdaughter, <laughs> dancing provocatively before him. It's a totally messed up situation. It was his brother's uh, wife that he then took for his wife, and uh, John the Baptist called him out for it, and then long story short, John the Baptist ended up losing his head because of all of that, and just took, uh, took the, the life of John the Baptist, and uh, just a bad dude that then the next person that came in uh, to power was Agrippa the first. So Agrippa the second's father and uh, he was the one that we saw beheaded James, the apostle James and threw Peter in jail ready to kill Peter even. And then we saw him in Acts chapter 12 lift him up to be some sort of God and, uh, and even the people there that uh, were trying to placate him in some ways said, you, you speak as a God, you have the voice of a God. And he is uh, dressed up, if you recall, in all that shiny garment, really just trying to play the part of God. And, uh, and he was really starting to believe it so much so that God ended up striking him dead by worms right there and in some intestinal disease that he just dies right on that day, gets sick with it and dies uh, because of just the, the wickedness of him. Well, when he died... Agrippa II, our King Herod Agrippa today, was only 17 years old. A lot of people didn't think that he was going to be able to be as hard-handed as some of uh, his predecessors, and so they sent him out to a place called Chalcis, which is a uh, northern area of the Palestine, really almost even southern Lebanon area, uh, that they sent him up to. And if you recall last week, we talked about the fact that he, he had the title king, but he wasn't really, he really didn't have much power as a king. Uh, he was still well respected because of who he was, who his family line was, uh, but he he didn't really have much say or governance in the things of even the Jews. 
But last week, because he was well-respected and because he, their family uh, claimed to practice Judaism, Festus, when he and his, uh, his sister Bernice, okay, Agrippa's sister Bernice, who his, he's in an incestuous relationship with, okay, so you get in the picture, we have these two terrible guys uh, all together uh, talking, Paul, who he used to be, and Agrippa, who he currently is, but if you recall, Festus uh, doesn't know what to send Paul off with, to charge him with, and hey, you're here, Agrippa, and you know some Jewish matters, and I can't really tell what's going on here. It seems like the Jews want him dead because he believes in Jesus, and they don't believe in Jesus, but that doesn't seem a good enough reason to kill a man, and Roman law says I can't kill a man if I don't have a reason to kill the man, and so it really would be nice just to write something up on this guy, and we talked last week about uh, being blameless before your accusers because that's exactly what Paul was. Festus was like, I can't get anything on this guy. You recall that last week? Yes? Somebody say yes, or we're going to have to preach it last week, all right? Okay. All right, yes, we remember that. that he, he stood blameless before his accusers, okay? And, and Festus is like, it'd be nice to write something on him and, and, and send him off to Caesar. I can't send him and say, I don't know what's going on. I got to charge him with something. And so Agrippa's like, okay, yeah, I'll hear him. And he's like, tomorrow you'll hear the matter. And they do this whole pomp and circumstance thing. They were really playing dress up as we looked at that. Uh, he didn't, he was like, oh, I get to do some kind of governance. And so Agrippa dresses up, he and Bernice, who's always right there next to him, they dress up, they get up in front of him, and Paul's in front of all of these different people, and he is given a chance to defend himself, but it's really not an official court trial, because it's already a done deal, he's going to Caesar. It's just kind of a, let's figure something out trial, and so Paul does, he, he does defend himself in a way, he even says, uh, this is what I'm accused of, but I love that when Paul comes, his, his whole uh, focus of his defense is this is how my life was changed. Uh, and, and he really unpacks for us as he addresses Agrippa and all the people there, but specifically Agrippa, he really unpacks this idea that encountering Jesus, encountering Jesus changes everything. Now this is the third time that Luke puts the conversion of Paul in the book of Acts. We've covered the other two in Acts chapter 9. We saw more of just the historical narrative of, that it was in church history and in the life of Paul. And then in Acts 22, we looked at it from the angle of just telling our story and kind of gave an overview of it. But today, I really want to look at it from the angle that it seems Paul is really coming at it from in this, that when you encounter Jesus, everything changes. And the first thing that Paul says is he says, look, listen, my life was completely changed when I met Jesus. My life changed. In verse number four, he says, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. They all know where I came from, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. You catch the double superlative there? Uh, the most straightest sect of, uh, of, uh, that is what I lived as a Pharisee. It's basically saying like, I was the goodest good at following the rules there was. I was the bestest, okay? He's just like being, I was over the top good at this, all right? Uh, I, was the mo- I was of the most straightest sect of our religion. And now, verse 6, I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused 
of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even unto strange cities. He's like, this wasn't a, uh, a centralized type thing in my life. I went out to other cities outside of Jerusalem chasing these people to kill them. He's like, uh, you know my background, Agrippa, and all of the people who have accused me, they know my background. They know where I come from. They know how zealous I was of the law and of the keeping of our extra rules on top of the law. They know, you know how zealous I was against the name of Jesus Christ. I was out killing and dragging people into the streets who ever claimed the name of Jesus. I was against them in every single way possible. But something happened, King Agrippa. Okay, all of that took place in my life. Yes, that's where I came from. But something happened in my life on my way to Damascus, verse 12. When I had the authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He said, I was on authority to go to Damascus, to drag people out, to imprison them, to kill them for following Jesus. And then on the way, on the road, in the middle of the day, the brightest part of the day, mind you, the brightest part of the day, I saw a light that was even brighter than the brightest part of the day, than the sun that was shining. A light shone and, and, and just knocked me off of uh, the mule that I was riding and, and, it, it, and I heard a voice, okay? I wasn't the only one who fell down, he even said. The people who were with me fell down, but I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he says his response was, who art thou, Lord? We talked about this back in Acts chapter 9, but he understood this was God talking to him. Okay, but he hadn't yet equated in his mind that Jesus was God, that Jesus was the Messiah. So he's saying, Lord, who are you? And the next few words would have rocked his world. I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Lord, you're talking to me. What have, wh who, who even are you? I'm Jesus. Uh-oh. <laughs> Everything that I've ever done in my life has gone completely against that very truth. And now a rude awakening came in Paul's life that everything that I've done was wrong. Now what do I do? And he says that in verse 16, that Jesus consistent, continued to talk to him and said, but rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles 
unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He's saying, Paul, okay, of course, then he was still known as Saul, but if I say Paul or Saul, and I'm going to do the same thing in a moment when I say Agrippa or Herod, it's the same guy, okay? Uh, either way, but he's, he says, Saul, everything that you've been doing is wrong. I am God. I am Lord, and, and I, I have a purpose for you. And so we see the Apostle Paul then uh, line out his purpose was to say everything that Jesus had shown to him and that Jesus would show to him to all the way to the Gentiles, Remember who he's speaking to. There would have been a lot of Gentiles there uh, as they're listening. And they would have heard from him. They, they know what Jews think of Gentiles. Okay? That wouldn't have been uh, a new thought in their mind at all. So to hear Paul uh, say there, I, I was against, uh, I, I was of the, the strictest sect of, of our religion and all that. They would have known what his mindset toward them used to be. So for him to now say, and Jesus sent me to you. I might perk up some ears. Wait, what? No, we know what the Jews, and especially the religious Jews, think of us. But, but now he sent to us to give us this message? What message? Well, he unpacks it to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. From Satan to God. <laughs> They're like, whoa. Paul's just laying it, down, laying it all raw right here. Hey, this is where I, what I was sent to do. That is why I am sharing this with you. Because my life was completely changed. My life, my past, okay? I, I, I gave you my past, but I was completely changed from my past when I had an encounter with Jesus and I had a new mission, a new perspective, a new mission. Uh, I had everything was made new. Paul said it this way uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians. He said that anyone who's in Christ, they become a new creature. All, old things are passed away. All things are become new. That is what he is saying here. Hey, every single thing in my life just flip-flopped. All the old stuff passed away. Everything was become new in my life. A new perspective, a new uh, mission in life. Everything was made new. Man, what a change that we see in the life of Paul. And, and if you're saved today, can I just take a moment and say, aren't you thankful for how God has changed you? for how God has changed your life. Man, I, if, you've, if you've never experienced that change that, uh, that God can bring in your life, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, at the end of the message, I, uh, in just a moment, we'll have what we call an invitation. I'll invite you to make that decision today. But for those of us who do know Christ, man, think about the change that God has wrought in our life. Most of all being our eternal destination. That no longer are we scared of dying and going to hell, but we know through the hope of Jesus' resurrection that we, when we die, will end up in eternity with God in heaven. And what an amazing thing that changed, <coughs> that changed in our life. But many of us saw a lot more than just that change when we got saved. But what I love is the change that God brings in our life doesn't just end when we get saved. Paul even alludes to this in the next part, which I've just said. He says, I, my life was changed, and I'm still being changed. Look at it in verse 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, 
and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first and should, uh, that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Paul just takes another chance to say, hey, everything that we believe in the Jewish uh, religion was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Moses and the prophets, they all foretold of Jesus. And that's, that's important in just a minute with the question that he uh, asks King Agrippa. But uh, here Paul is saying this, hey, a lot changed in that moment that I encountered Jesus, but God has continuously been transforming my life even to this very day. As I look back on that day, it was incredible, but I've also seen God's providence and protection in the most crazy of circumstances. And God has grown me in ways I didn't even realize at the time. And God has worked in and through my life, time and time again. To this very day, I'm still, through the grace and the help, he says there, of God, witnessing to both small and to great. To this day, still being changed and still being worked on. Can I say this? Never underestimate this beautiful part of your testimony. This is such a, a wonderful beautiful part of each and every one of our testimonies for us, for us who know Christ. You know, a lot of times we focus on the huge life change that takes place at the moment of salvation, as we should. We should look back on those things. But many times, uh, because of that, I don't know if the branch or the realm of Christianity that you grew up in was similar to mine, but a lot of times the most, uh, the, the most, glorified testimonies uh, were the ones that someone, you know, someone came, they, they were drug addicts and, and they were passed out in a ditch, drunk, whatever. Uh, I heard one story this past week of uh, even a, a police officer was listening to a, a guy give his testimony that was like, I, I murdered someone, went to jail, and then when I was released, I went back and found the two people who testified against me, killed them, went back to jail, killed the man in jail, and then Jesus saved my life. And the officer looks over to another uh, prisoner and goes, whoa, what do you think of that testimony? He goes, that's amazing. It's all lie, but it's amazing. Because I uh, just, like, but, but seriously, I don't know if you grew up, we always had to have, it seemed, something terrible that we got saved out of, right? And, and what a wonderful, and I'm not, I don't want to diminish at all what we got saved out of because uh, so many people get saved at a later part in life where, where they truly do get saved from a ton of junk, okay? And thank the Lord that God has done that in their life. But do not devalue the fact that God doesn't just change us there, but one of the most beautiful parts of our testimony is that since we've been saved, God is consistently changing us. It's said often here that God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us way too much to keep us that way. And every single day, he is shaping and sanctifying and molding us. Paul said this about the gospel in Romans chapter 1. He said, it's the power of God unto salvation uh, for the Jews first and also to the Greek. But the next verse he says, therein is the righteousness of God fulfilled from faith 
to faith. Every faith step we take, we are being sanctified more. Why? Because of the gospel and what Jesus has done in our life. He says later uh, in the book of Romans in chapter 8 that, that, that God has predestined or a, a, ahead of time set a plan in every single person's life that they would be conformed or changed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. God wants to change us, not just at salvation, but every single day that we walk with him in this journey. And don't under -es or devalue that beautiful part of your testimony. Yes, we should be thankful for the fact that God changed us from who we used to, used to be, but we should also relish in the fact that he is still working on me today in and through my life right now. And Paul stands here before all of these people, and specifically Agrippa, and he says, look, my entire life was changed the day I met Jesus. But the amazing thing about Jesus is that the change didn't stop there. He has a plan and purpose for me even today. And then he ends the conversation with an invitation. He says, Agrippa, my life was changed. I'm still being changed. But what about you? Will you be changed? Will you be changed too? We get to verse 24 and Festus speaks up, interrupts Paul and says, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You're a crazy person, Paul. You've done too much study and it's dr driven you insane. And Paul says, noble Festus, no, no, no. You know I'm not crazy. What I speak is true. What I speak is serious. What I speak is substantive. He's saying, what you know even that what I'm speaking isn't insanity, it's truth and it's soberness. For even the king knoweth of these things, verse 26, before whom I also speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. He's like, Festus, you know it's not crazy, it's truth. And, and Agrippa, he knows this. The one I'm, I'm specifically addressing, he knows this. None of these things, he knows about Jesus. That didn't happen in a corner. That was very public. He knows who I was. That didn't happen in a corner. That was very public. He knows all of these things. And then he turns it to Agrippa in verse 27 and says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. <laughs> He's like, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And then Agrippa says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now, for years, for years I read that verse and took it to mean this. Man, I'm almost there, Paul. And it could mean that if you look up the Greek words, it could very well mean I'm almost convinced. Or it could mean uh, I'm, I'm close enough, you'll get me one day. It could mean that, but it, it could also, it's hard to, to really get... Uh, uh, just lost the word. It's really hard to get tone in, when we're just reading it. And especially if you go back to the Greek, it could have very well been him just saying this. Hey, hey Paul, it's like you're trying to convert me in such a short amount of time. You think it's going to be so easy to convert me? I, he had to kind of deflect the question in some way, right? And I, I think that's most likely more so what the answer would mean. Uh, that, hey, it's like you're trying to convince me in an easy way. And the reason I say that is because of the question Paul asked. He deflects and then Paul's answer back to him is, I would to God that not only thou but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. He's like, hey, uh, 
It seems like you're trying to convert me. Yes, not only you, but every single person who hears me this day. I wish that they were exactly like me, except for the fact that I'm in chains. I wish that every single person that hears me would become a Christian. And when he says that, the king rises up and the governor Festus and Bernice, because she's always there, (laughs) and Bernice and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves saying, this man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. (laughs) He's like, hey, uh, we despite any of what he just shared with us and what, he's try, what decision he was trying to make, uh, make us make in, in all of this, it, it's very clear this, he's done nothing worthy of death. And my advice to you, Festus, would have been if he didn't already say, give me to Caesar, which now we have to do, we could have set him free because he did nothing. And some people look at that and say, well, does that mean Paul was wrong in appealing to Caesar? Well, I think we've already seen that in God's providence, everything that has taken place so far has just been God working to get the gospel to Rome. Because he said, Paul, you've witnessed of me here in Jerusalem, and you're going to do the same thing in Rome. So I think it was God's providence that he appealed unto Caesar. But uh, what an interesting thing. Man, we could have set him free, except he appealed to Caesar. Now the gospel is going off, go off to Caesar. Now, we, we cover a portion of scripture like that and all week, I was like, man, what are the applications? <laughs> As we look at this, what, what kind of applications? And there are many. I mean, if you're here today as a believer, uh, we could come at it from the application of maybe we've grown cold to the powerful truth that God has changed so much in our lives. When we received him as Savior, he saved us from our sins. He, he changed our eternal destiny from hell to heaven. He, he brought us out of a life of emptiness or, or sorrow. Whatever our personal experience with Jesus was in that moment of salvation, maybe we're reminded of today uh, of all of that and we're challenged today to be grateful once again. Maybe we've grown cold to that fact and we just need to rekindle that passion of man god changed my entire life and that would be an application today maybe we're we're not submitting to god consistently in a certain area and as a result our current growth the things that god wants to do to consistently change us are being hindered because of our our contempt really for just surrendering and and we're uh, not surrendering some area of our life over to God, and we would, might look at uh, a passage like this and say, "Man, I ne- I need to get that right so that God can continue His work that He wants to in me to make me more like Jesus Christ." But maybe you'd come to a passage like this, and like me, you'd be challenged with this thought: Does the fact that Jesus changed me and is consistently transforming me, does that truth cultivate a heart in me? to see other people come to experience that change. And Paul, because of what he came through and because of what God was doing in and through his life, it, it cultivated a heart within him to say, I wish all people were just like me. And we'd come to the passage and say, man, because of the change and the consistent transformation of God in my life, I just want to see everyone come to experience that change and it would drive us to go out into our community and to share the love of Christ but no no doubt also in a crowd of this size there may be someone here who'd say you know what uh, 
Micah, I've never experienced that kind of change in my life. I've never experienced that kind of change. I'm not sure I've ever encountered Jesus in that way. I, I don't know that if I died today, I would spend eternity in heaven with God. I've never placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For those of you that that might be you, I echo the words of Paul this morning and say, I wish that you would be able to come to know this amazing relationship that many of us in this room have experienced with Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, I encourage you to make today the day that you encounter Jesus. Why? Because encountering Jesus changes everything. When we truly encounter Jesus, it'll change everything. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.